Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Before we get into the Word, I want to say thanks to all of you on behalf of the Mustang family. Uh, Some of you uh, assisted and helped and showing your love in so many different ways and and I want to say thank you on their behalf also thank you on my behalf because it's amazing to see how the Oxford family shares their love with one another so thank you so very very much so but please keep the Mustang family in your prayers that there's a, a lot of things that uh, they need God's guidance and direction on amen didn't have a clue that there would be a storm going to be hitting our nation later today, whenever I begin to prepare this message. I had many names and thoughts about the ark. I thought about calling this message the ark of safety. Then I thought about calling it the ark a type of Christ. I even thought about that old joke that says, why didn't Noah play cards on the ark? He couldn't because he was sitting on the deck. So see, I I, I thought of a lot of things. I thought of a lot. But I settled on the thought, the prophet, because we've been talking about Old Testament prophets, the prophet who rode out the storm. The prophet who rode out the storm. For many of us today, You may feel like you're in a storm. Not an afternoon thunderstorm. You know, here in Florida, we have an afternoon thunderstorm. It can dump three inches and sunshine a few minutes later. But one that's a storm that just keeps on hammering. We hear lull in the storm and, and the winds, but... We even see a little sunshine. We may even see a rainbow, but here comes another gale. A lot of us have been going through some storms. But we can learn some key lessons as we study the prophet Noah. Now, let me give my disclaimer. Because anytime I preach about Noah or Moses, I put one of them, I put Noah in the desert, and Moses in the ark. Now, I'm not totally wrong because Moses was in a little ark when he was a baby. So if I say Moses today, know that my wife wrote my notes wrong and I just misread. No. No. She has nothing to do with my writing my notes, so you can't blame her. But just sometimes my tongue gets in front of my eye teeth and I can't see what I'm saying, and that just happens. But we can learn some key lessons today about Noah and how he rode out the storm. Two weeks ago, we spoke spoke about Abel, and he worshiped God. Last week, we talked about Enoch, and he walked with God. Today, we talk about Noah, who worked God. All three of those are important. They're essential as we go through life. Some of you probably saw the church in the Wildwood that had the sign up. It says, Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this life together. 
are to get through this thing called life. Why? Because storms happen. For those of us that grew up here in Florida, we know about afternoon storms. We know about hurricane season. And just to let you know, and I know there's one brewing out there now, but life is a lot of like the hurricane season. I've lived in Florida all my life, but three years. I've actually been through two hurricanes. I've been threatened by many of them, but that's kind of the way life is. Some of the storms you're worrying about, you'll never see. That's worth repeating. I said, some of the storms you're worried about will never happen. But the reality is, we have storms. And they can be very, very bad. They can be devastating. But many times it is a false alarm. Do we need to be prepared? Yes. Do we need to be ready if there is a storm? Certainly. But we need to realize that these storms will eventually pass. Or as the Bible says, this too shall pass. But what if you were like Noah? He didn't just board up some windows. He just didn't tell Miss Noah, said, let's go down to the grocery store and buy some toilet paper and some food. He spent a hundred years, a hundred years building an ark, preparing for something that they never had. They couldn't look back in history and say, well, you remember Katrina? You remember Donna? You remember Floyd? You remember all these hurricanes? They had no history of a hurricane. But this hundred years is covered in just a few chapters, chapters 6 through 9 in Genesis. And I encourage you to read that story. It's awesome. But I want you to notice three elements as we look at that storms of life. How do we ride out the storms of life? Because there's three elements that are essential for the Christian faith. Grace. How many are thankful for grace? The Bible says Noah found what? Grace in the eyes of the Lord. Then there's mercy. God's a merciful God. How many is glad that God is merciful? But then there's not only grace and mercy, but there's also faith. Those three elements are very prevalent in this story of Noah. See, in the midst of a sinful world, Noah found grace. In the midst of a sinful world, God extended mercy. But it was his faith that saw him through the storm. I said it was his faith that saw him through the storm. Now, folks, we could camp right here. We could, we could stay here a long time. But let me just simply say, we receive his grace and his mercy, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen. I said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. The world today loves to hear about God's mercy, love to hear about God's grace. I do too. That's some of my favorite subjects. I love God's grace. 
I'm glad that I've got a new batch of grace every morning when I get up because I need his grace. I'm glad that he's a merciful God. He doesn't give me what I deserve. He gives me what he wants to give me. And man, he's better to me than I deserve. So I thank God for his mercy and his grace. But without faith, mercy and grace doesn't get us anywhere. See, so there was many in Noah's generation. There were many in Jesus' generation. There's many in this generation, in your generation, in my generation, that desire to take advantage of God's grace, take advantage of God's mercy. But grace and mercy are only temporary. See, we won't need grace in heaven. I said, we won't need grace in heaven because then we won't be able to sin. But until then, or meanwhile, back here at this ranch we call earth, we're going to go through some storms. I said, we're going to go through some storms. And Noah not only accepted God's grace and accepted God's mercy, he also worked and stepped down on faith. Noah preached for 100 years. And yes, church, I know that salvation is free. But the only thing that saved Noah was not his mercy and grace. It was his faith to build an ark. The faith to do something that had never been done. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. He said, we've been reading a lot out of Hebrews, yeah. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. Now, what in the world is he talking about? See, if I understand Scripture correctly and understand the Bible, that up until the flood... There had never been rain. There was a mist that covered the earth. So they didn't know what a rain was. They didn't know what a hurricane was. They didn't know what a storm was. And yet God said, Noah, I want you to build an ark. (laughs) What's an ark? There's going to be a storm. What's a storm? There's going to be a flood. What's a storm? What's a flood? I don't know what those things are. But it says by faith. Being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear. In reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, there's several words there. It says he condemned the world. Now, it's just like Jesus. Jesus said that he did not condemn the world. The world was what? Condemned already. All of those people that lived in Noah's generation were condemned already because they had forsaken God. But Noah and his family were the only ones that got in the boat. For a hundred years, he extended invitation. For a hundred years, he built the boat. But no one entered the boat. He preached. And the only thing that saved him during that storm was being obedient to God And entering into the ark. Folks, I'm sure there's going to be some folks that 
have taken advantage of God's grace and God's mercy. But if we don't act on faith, the Bible says it's impossible to do what? To please God. What if, what if Noah would have built that boat, took a hundred years, and God said, okay, Noah, go in the boat. And he said, no. He would have wasted a hundred years. And he would have wasted his one opportunity at salvation. Why? Because he would not have had faith. But he entered by faith. And notice that word, reverent fear. Now, the King James Bible says he was moved with fear. That literally means that he was reverence produced by a holy fear. Now, folks, I don't want to go back to serving God out of fear. I said, I don't want to go back to serving God out of fear. Because I, I, I know what it means to serve God out of fear. I mean, when you, when you grew up like I grew up and you were scared to death that the rapture was going to take place tomorrow, that you better be ready, that's serving God out of fear. And that's okay. I'd rather serve God out of fear than not serve him at all. But what was this reverent fear? It literally means reverence produced by a holy fear to know. See, I know that there's a storm coming. I said, I know there's a storm coming. And I'm not talking about a hurricane out in the uh, Gulf. I'm talking about there's a storm that's, that's brewing where God's judgment will be poured out upon the earth. It's going to happen. We can talk about his grace and his mercy until we're blue in the face, and that's all true. But one of these days, God's judgment will be poured out upon the earth. And we need to have that holy fear, that reverent fear, that we would realize that. Again, I don't want to go back to serving God out of fear. But let me just ask you this question. Have we watered down the gospel? Have we watered down the word of God to a place where people do not have a reverent fear of God. I don't think you have to look very far in our society. See it every day. Things happening. But he says he had a reverent fear. By things, what he says by faith, Noah been warned of God concerning events has yet to come. It had never rained. But for a hundred years, Noah took God at his word and was building a boat. But not only was he building a boat, he was warning people. Now, what kind of people was he warning? Well, he was warning his extended family. He had cousins, aunts, uncles, his neighbors. See, Lamech, his dad, must have been a righteous man because he, at least he named Noah rest. Noah beats rest. He said he's going to give the world rest. And he died five years before the flood. Noah's grandfather, Methuselah, died the year of the flood. Enoch, who was a godly man, he was taken from the earth just a few years before Noah was born. But he was preaching to his family. He was preaching to his neighbors. He was preaching to a sinful world. See, according to Scripture, they had totally walked away from God. 
Now, we can discuss it all day. Some may have drifted away. Some may have never believed God. Some may have ran away from God. We've got those in every generation. But either way, they were people away from God. And wickedness was rampant. So the scripture says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So God told Noah to build an ark. And he labored 100 years, not only building a boat, but warning people about the approaching storm. Now, can you imagine how hard that must have been? Hey, folks, I want you to know there's going to be a storm. Well, I've been watching the Weather Channel. It didn't say nothing about it. No, there's going to be a storm. It's going to rain. Noah, what's rain? He warned them for 100 years. And we could speak about the grace of God. We could speak about the love of God. They're so wonderful. That made a provision for the escape from the sinful world. God's grace and God's mercy is wonderful. And I never desire to belittle that fact. But there's another fact that's got to be trumpeted. There's another fact that must be proclaimed. A storm is coming. I know about Category 5 hurricanes. But if a Category 5 hurricane was approaching Florida, you better get out early because the masses will be getting the food, the gas, and preparing for the storm. And rightly so, they should. I would encourage you to do that. If a hurricane's headed right to you and you can, get out of Dodge. But at least prepare for it. But many of the same ones will hear the message that we need to proclaim. There's a storm coming. There's a storm coming. But instead of preparing, they're dancing in the streets. Instead of preparing, they're partying in their homes. Or could I say, according to what the scripture says, they're eating and drinking and marrying as in the days of Noah. And they will refuse to hear the prophetic warning that a storm is coming. Now I know, I know that many will say the church is hypocritical. How many agree with me? There's a lot of hypocrites in church. I said, there's a lot of hypocrites in church. But let me tell you, if a hypocrite's between you and God, they're closer to God than you are. Amen. Just saying. The church is full of hypocrites. Yeah, that's good. I don't know if you heard they said, move over, we'll make room for one more. <laughs> See, we don't have to have this church building. And yes, I'll have to admit, there are many confessing Christians that embarrass me at times with their behavior. But I want you to think about this. What do you think it smelled like on the ark? Huh? I mean, you think about it. 
They had been set there and they stayed there well over a year or so. It was probably stinking. But how many would have rather been on the boat than outside the boat? You say, what are you talking about? I'm just telling you now that the church has got its problems, but it's still the best thing afloat. The ark probably stunk to high heavens, but it's still the best thing afloat. If you could ask the masses that they were crying and yelling for Noah to open the door, they'd have been glad to get on that stinky boat. The church with all of its problems is still the best thing afloat. And while we watch the approaching storm, I said approaching storm. I know many of you say, we're in a storm now. We've had people going through some terrible storms. I admit that. But I want to tell you, compared to many places in the world today, we just hear rumblings of thunder. We haven't seen the storm that some people are going through. But there's a storm coming. And I can't think of a better place to be than in the church. And thankfully, there's always room for one more. The longest recorded sermon we have of Jesus that he, that he preached at one continuous sermon is recorded in the book of Matthew. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about being salt and light of the earth. He speaks about the people of God. He talks about loving your enemies, giving to the needy, the Lord's prayer. He tells his people, don't worry, don't judge. Ask and it shall be given. He talks about the golden rule. He talks about bearing fruit. But do you know what he shares at the end of that great lesson? He talked about all those things that teaching to the church that we ought to live by. But what was his last words of that? Well, let's read it in Matthew 7, verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Did you notice something? It says when the storms come. Doesn't say if the storms come. It says when the storms come. Friends, there's storms coming. And I know that you all understand that we've faced a number of storms within our church family. A lot of storms going on. And I'm so thankful that I'm in the body of Christ that I can ride out the storms. Not by myself, but with the body of Christ. Storms will come. And any life that is built on any foundation other than the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to fall. 
Now, what did Noah preach? What do you think his message was? What do you you think that he said? Well, it's a message that's very applicable to us today. Let's go over and see what the book says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. And see if this sounds like anything today. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they would exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and the destruction is not sleep. I know some of you say, well, what did Noah say? Well, let's read on. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned. Let me say that again. If God did not spare angels when they sinned. Get my bifocals up here. I want to just tell you, I don't see any angels. There's one or two, but your halo's warped just a little bit. You say, what are you saying? I'm telling you, if he's not going to spare the angels, what makes you think he's going to spare you? If God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to the chains of gloomy darkness to be kept into the judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness. See, that was the prophet that he was. He was a preacher. He proclaimed righteousness. He said, listen, world, you need to get right with God. You need to honor him. And guess what? There's room on this boat for you. But after a hundred years of preaching, nobody got on the boat. A herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. And if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. Now that's the message he preached. What was he saying? There's a storm coming. There's a storm coming. For a hundred years, I have no idea how much he understood, but every day he would build his boat, and every day he would proclaim a message, there's a storm coming, and no one heard the message. Now, remember when the disciples were in the ship with Jesus? Remember what they said? I want to read this because sometimes we overlook one little thing. It's recorded in Luke and Matthew, but in Luke chapter 8, it says this. One day, he got into a boat with his disciples, speaking of Jesus. And he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep, speaking of Jesus. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and was scared to death. No, he didn't say that. He awoke, and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? Wow. Wow. 
Where is your faith? Master, don't you know there's a storm? Now I realize that today Jesus is not in the flesh. He does not have to rest. But I can tell you the storms that you're going through, they haven't rattled Jesus at all. They haven't upset him at all. And if he's in your boat, I don't think you've got a thing to worry about. I said, if he's in your boat, he's not sweating it. Well, what about this COVID? He's not worried about it. What about the economy? He's not worried about it. What about Afghanistan? He's not worried about it. Now, are those things bad? Yeah, there are storms all around us. But if you're in the boat, you know what God's asked us? The same thing Jesus asked us. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Now, think about it. Matter of fact, I, I'll have to honestly say I never thought about this until this morning. I'd always pictured being in the ark as smooth sailing. You know, I mean, you know, that's just the way I was thinking of it. You know, he was safe. But you think about it, the winds was blowing. It was raining cats and dogs and kittens. And not only that, the water was coming up from the ground. That's what the Bible says. I can tell you that was a deluge, and I'm sure that that boat was doing some rocking. Yes, you say, well, it's big. Yes, so is a cruise liner. But when it gets in a hurricane, it does some rocking. And it was rocking. But it's still the best place to be because God was there. And, the, and the, you say, well, my ship's rocking today. Well, let me just say this. God never said that our life was going to be a cruise liner. It's more of a battleship. And I've never been on a submarine that was getting ready to do battle, but I'm assured that that was not a luxury ride. There's a storm coming. But where's your faith? See, the Titanic was said to be unsinkable. That was where it's promoted. But guess what? It sunk. It sunk. There's only one ship that's never sunk. That's the ark of God. The ark of God. First Peter. As we look at one more scripture, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ, who suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, in other words, he was the righteous, you're the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah, God's patience waited in the days of Noah. I don't know if you get that picture. He was patient to wait 100 years. 
Now, what was he doing? Was he giving Noah enough time to build the ark? Well, possibly. But I think he was given 100 years to give people one last opportunity to get ready to go into the ark. Methuselah died the year of the flood. And some Bible translators or commentaries said that that name Methuselah means when it is done, it will happen. The year of the flood is when Methuselah died. What do we know about Methuselah? He lived longer than anybody in recorded history. That was the patience of God. The patience of God. Waited in the days of Noah. A lot of people say, well, why, why does God just not take us away? I can tell you why. Because he's still waiting for one more. He's still waiting for his gospel to be proclaimed to all nations. Because when it is time, he will come. So while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected to him. There's a storm coming. To the sinner, I encourage you to come into the ark. Come into the ark to ride out the storms of life and prepare for the banks of eternity. For the Christian, stay in the ark. Stay in the ark. Because just like Paul told the sailors during the storm, he said the only way to survive is stay in the boat. Stay in the boat. Because we need to understand something. Our captain is not even worried. I said, he's not even worried. He could be asleep because he knows that the ark is safety. After the storm, I think it's another good admonition. Can somebody tell me what Adam did? Not Adam. Noah did right after the storm. He did something for the very first time in recorded scripture. He built the first altar. He built the first altar to give God the praise. To give God the honor. And to thank him for providing ark that he was able to save himself and his family there's no song as a worship team comes I was thinking about it earlier today it says come into the ark for the sky grows dark there's a cloud called God's judgment day friends there's a storm coming and if you're here and you're not in the ark, I want to beg you. I want to encourage you. Come into the ark. 
And if you're in the ark and the storms are raging, how did Noah get through the storms? He stayed in the ark. He depended upon God's grace and God's mercy, and he acted out his faith. And sometimes, church, we have to work out our faith. We don't get saved by our works. We just take an act to Faith without works is what? Dead. Noah could have built that ark and he could have drowned outside of it because he didn't act on his faith. Let's act on our faith. Yes, storms are coming. And yes, I know some of you are going through a storm right now. You may think it's a hurricane. It seems like, as I mentioned earlier in the message, that the storm cloud passes over and I, I, I see the sunshine. I even see a rainbow. But then before I can get out of the house good, here comes another storm, another wave, another phone call that says somebody's sick, somebody's died, somebody has a need. So yes, we're going through storms. The Mustang family going through a storm. Going through a storm. If you're not in the ark, get in there. If you're in the ark, stay there. And if you're going through a storm, depend upon your captain. Depend upon him because he will see you through. We want to pray. And if you're here today and you'd like to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, or if you'd like to be prayed for because you're going through a terrible storm, we're here to pray with you and pray for you. We want to worship the Lord. And if you're just thankful for God's blessings, if you're thankful for your in the ark, can I encourage you to do what Noah did? Offer an offering of praise for his victory. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.